Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that is once again coming to you with two members, two members of a three, because one of us is still somewhere in Thailand. It's kind of like radio silence for the time being, we're hoping he's okay. My, my name is Tosin and I am in the Midlands in the UK and joining me as always on the Isle of Wight is Sharon Bolan. Hello. Yeah. Also joining me would be, uh, would be, uh, so joining us would be Sean. Sean Harris, but as I said, he is in Thailand and having way too much fun for the likes of us. <laughs> way too much fun for the likes of us. But well, what we tend to do on this show is we go to the cinema and we see a couple of things. Usually we see one film per person. We usually have about three films a week. And then at home, we see a couple of things, um, be it TV shows or be it films on home, on, on home media streaming platforms. And we come back and we rate them all out of five and we say, where has the money been better spent this week? So, with that in mind, Sharon, this week, well, oh, okay, I, I know what you see in the cinema, and I will, I, I will, I will have to sort of say first, first up, thank you very much. You are an absolute trooper, <laughs> <laughs> because if you listen to this show, usually what happens is that whenever films are in the cinema, Sean is a bit of a beast, and Sean will see everything. Sean will see everything, so we never really want for having three films on the, on the dock. But Sharon and I are, for one reason or another, we're a bit less prolific. <laughs> less prolific than Sean so I average about a film a week and I think that's probably around about the same for you that's about me at this moment yes it's all I can manage at the moment yeah so so with so with that in mind this week we actually had a little bit of oh what are you seeing what are you seeing because we can't see the first thing we can't both see the same thing we only have one film to talk about in the cinema side of things this week and so I, I got in touch with you and you took one for the team and went to see a film that I had the feeling you were not particularly looking forward to seeing Yes, that's fair to say. <laughs> so, so thank you very much. You are an absolute trooper. Thank you one for the team. Uh, so, will you tell us what did you see in cinema? What did you see at home this week? I went in cinema. I went to see um, the Princess Diana biopic called Spencer. Yep. And at home, having like I thought I'd create some sort of symmetry, so I watched another sort of biopic. Um, this time of Clarice Clift on Sky Cinema called The Color Room. Okay. So I can do a compare and contrast the two. Um, famous women biographies. Who was Clarence Clift? She was the ceramic painter who was um, the very brightly coloured ceramics that every now and then if you ever watch Antiques Roadshow or Bargain Hunt they come across a piece of Clarence Clift and they go ooh and um, they are quite collectible but they are of their time. I think we oh. even have a piece of Clarence Clift at home here. One of our in one of our glass cabinets we've got a, a piece of Clarence Clift. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Never heard of her before. Never heard of her. So, all right, I, um, so in cinemas, I, w I stole the film that you wanted to see, <laughs> but I got to the cinema first, so I got to claim it. And also the fact that it was pretty much the only thing that was new because the, because the film Spencer you went to see wasn't on where, yeah. uh, it, it wasn't where it was because I've, I've complained before. If you listen to this podcast before, you hear me complain about the view cinema in Redditch and how they tend to just not have stuff. <laughs> they, have, they go a bit populist, don't they? they it, it's very populist. It's very populist. So, so I think the Isle of Wight is going that way because I really wanted to see Kenneth Branagh's film Belfast. Oh, yeah. Unless it's not had general release yet, but I thought it had. It hasn't appeared on the island. Yeah, and I and wanted to see the Wes Anderson film that Sean saw in Bournemouth. Yeah, the French, the French Dispatch. But that's it. Didn't that, appear on the island. That, that 
I mean, if it hadn't been for Sean, and even if it was, I would not even have known that that film had been released because it it did nothing. It did not. It did not even show yeah, up over here. Didn't yet. register anywhere else, but certainly didn't show up here. Yeah, it's it's. It, it, it's a bit sad. It's a bit sad. But okay, so I went to see House of Gucci, the the Ridley Scott film starring Adam Driver, Lady Gaga, and um, at home I saw quite a few things. And I've been looking at I've been looking at my viewing history and trying to figure out which one I should go for. I've got Icarus, which is all about the Russian doping program and how yeah. I've got um, another documentary called Untold Deal with the Devil about a boxer in America called Christy Martin. I've got another documentary called Adducted in Plain Sight, which is mental. It is absolutely <laughs> mental. Uh, okay, there's an animation movie called Wish Dragon, but obviously this is you, Sharon, so I will not, I will not <laughs> subject you to what I think about Wish Dragon. Uh, I started watching The Harder They Fall, which I was actually really looking forward to because it's a Western on Netflix. And I think this, that might be one to keep for when Sean comes back. I started watching it, but I had to stop it because I had a baby trying to sleep and all the shooting woke her up so, oh, right. so yeah and so oh is that the one with idris elba in it it is the one with idris elba and about, i've seen the flat the banner for it yeah about black cowboys so i uh and okay i think i'm going to settle on a film called cam which is it's it's just it's just called cam which is all about uh uh, oh, how do you even explain? I don't. What do they call them? There's, there's a, there's a phenomenon called cam girls. But I will explain that more when we get to that bit. But shall we kick off with the House of Gucci? Yes. Shall I tell you what you missed, Sharon? <laughs> <laughs> or, or shall I tell you what I stole from you? Shall I tell you what I stole from you? All right. So House of Gucci. This is a film uh, that, as I said, directed by Ridley Scott, and it is it is about the Gucci family. You might recognize the name, the big fashion house Gucci, the Italian fashion house Gucci. And it is about them. This is specifically about two um, characters. It's um, Maurizio Gucci and his wife Patrizia Reggiani, who um, and about their relationship, how they were, uh, what happened, how that affected what happened in Gucci, and how that. I don't think it is a spoiler because these people were real, were real, and it's actually one of the big things about the film. How that eventually led to his death. So how it led to Maurizio Gucci's death. So this is a film that I saw the trailer for. I'm not sure whether you saw the trailer. Um, I've seen the trailer for it, yeah. You see? And so it, it, it's in English. It's in English, but obviously all these people are Italian. So it's it's people acting in English, but putting on Italian accents. So you have um, Adam Driver, Lady Gaga. You've got um, Jeremy Irons. You've got Al Pacino. You've got Jared Leto. All doing... None of whom are actually Italian. No, 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 <laughs> Their no, no. ancestry might be a little yeah. bit in there yeah i think i think lady gaga has italian ancestry um i doubt adam driver does al pacino has italian ancestry so it's so there, there's something in there and uh, and that made me because when i saw the trailer it made me worried because it was kind of like it's a bit like how i saw the trailer for the will smith film concussion in which will smith is supposed to be playing a nigerian and i just have never watched that film because <laughs> what's that <laughs> because I'm like, what the hell is coming out of your mouth? And the and some of the access to the trailer, they 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 go towards like you know, it, it felt a bit like a caricature, or like mm. a caricature of Italians. You no know, people go, hey yeah, hey, what the man, hey, hey, and all that kind of, yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of almost racist. It felt a little bit like that in the film. Uh, it went in 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 a, in a in a longer burst than just a trailer. 
it, it works better. Thankfully, <laughs> it works yeah. better. I still kind of feel like I would like to see this film in Italian. Like, <laughs> if this film would be done in... I, I, still, I, I still kind of feel that. But also, even watching the film, without knowing much about the real-life story, this is... This is... It's, it's kind of like Ridley Scott has taken the dynasty approach. So it's kind of... It's a true-life story, but presented almost through the lens of those really flashy soap operas like Dynasty or Dallas or anything like and it's about oh there's this family and they're going to come up and oh my god everything is turned up to 11 and the character that Jared Leto plays he is oh it is it, you're kind of like I don't think this character existed in real life this character could not have existed in real life and sure enough you're going you, you because he plays uh Paolo he plays Paolo Gucci who is um the grandson of the original founder of Gucci so you, you go through the generations, you have the, the you, you never see the original founder um, of Gucci on screen, but it's really about his two sons, Aldo and Adol- Aldo and Adolfo, who um, have 50% stake in the country, in the, in the, in the business. And then their sons, you have Maurizio, who is Adam Driver, and you have Paolo, who is Jared Leto. And it's all about people fighting for control of this company and whether people think, is this supposed to be like a fashion thing that puts fashion above everything else? Is this this supposed to be about profits, where you put profit above everything else? And how this person tries to kick that person out of the family and then this person goes, oh, no, you won't won't kick me out of the family. And and it it, it becomes, so that's where it gets very Dallas. That's where it gets very Dallas, very dynasty, very soap opera. And it's, it's played like that. And I think they've gone for more the soap opera side of things over necessarily everything being 100% accurate Mm -hmm. certainly Jared Leto's character is kind of his his, the family of of Paolo Gucci are quite insulted by the portrayal and I can totally understand why because they've made that character a buffoon And, and when you and when you actually look at the history of Gucci and everything you're like wait a second no no this guy was he was he was like a vice president of the country, of the company for a while. He was like the chief designer. You don't put a buffoon in that in that position. Yeah. So so there's bits of it where it seems like it's been dialed up and it's been done and it's been done just for. And it, but but what it's like it's like a feature length episode of a soap opera. That's that's what it is. It's like a feature length episode of the soap opera. Everybody is up to. I mean, Salma Hayek shows up for a bit uh, where she plays. And there's just there's a. Do you remember the TV show Absolutely Fabulous? Yes. There is a scene in this where Salma Hayek and Lady Gaga are walking around and it is like a scene out of Absolutely Fabulous. It is like Adina and Patsy come to life. <laughs> and, and I was just kind of going, what, what, what is this? Having said that, it is well made because it's Ridley Scott. And I have to admit, with Ridley Scott, I think that he is becoming an all right filmmaker he's becoming a steady pair of hands where i don't i I cannot think of the last time i saw ridley scott film that was like wow that was amazing it's just here's the story we're going to tell you the story we're going to go from a to b to c to d and and there's not going to be many flourishes or anything like it's just going to be a, a good story well told constructed there now you have the story now you know what happened it reminds me a lot of did you see all the money in the world no it, which was also which was also um, Ridley Scott also focused on some super rich family in, and trying to tell a, um, an incident in that in that family. And was that was, about the kidnapping? That was the one about the kidnapping and the Gettys. 
the yeah. Getty kidnapping, yeah. yeah. The Getty of John Paul. I remember the, you reviewed it, didn't you? Yeah, yes, I, I did. And that was the one that had Kevin Spacey in it. And then he went in. And was, wasn't re, he recast re, and they refilmed it with? With Christopher Plummer. Yes. Yeah. And and this this film, uh, even before, before I made the connection that Ridley Scott directed both of them, I was watching this going, this is very much like all the money in the world. We're just going to go through A to B to C to D. And it tells you the story, but it is not particularly. But, and I think Ridley Scott, that's what I expect from here now. I expect. I will have a well-stalled, constructed story, but it's not going to be anything that blows me away. And um, all in all, I would give it a three. I think it's uh, it's a kind of film that will send you. There's a there's a website I found called History versus Hollywood, where if there's a film that's based on true true life story, they will go into the into the and they'll tell you this is what the real person looked like. This is what the person in the film looked like. Yeah. Now, this these things in the film are true these things in the film are not and it's the kind of film that will send you in to go and say okay did that actually happen did that actually go that way did that how did tom ford get involved did did this person actually kick that person out was this person betrayed there was this backstabbing it will send you to that kind and especially the the character of patricia reggiani which is who's played by lady gaga because she's played like uh it's like it's like a hustler it's really her story and how she gets into this family and how she gets her way up the up up the family and and you're never really sure at the beginning of the story whether she actually cares for this person or whether she just sees Maurizio gucci as a meal ticket and yeah and so it it starts off intriguing intriguing then it goes as it goes on it it becomes a bit it becomes more and more histrionic as the film goes on and I think that might that maybe sort of like reflects their life because they were sort of like sort of humble until they until like you know his dad died they get all the money and then all of a sudden things go a bit crazy. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's uh, okay. Uh, and I haven't even spoken about Al Pacino. Al Pacino talking about people in the old age and what they do. He has he has gone a bit of recommend uh, of a reputation for overacting, but I think he's actually quite restrained in this. He's quite restrained in this, and I think it's because of the way the the Italian accent works. Jeremy Irons, his Italian accent, essentially, it's kind of like that's just Jeremy Irons. That's just what he sounds like. Because yeah. <laughs> he did the Borgias, didn't he? So he, I think he sort of did a, a hint of the Italian. I don't think he went full on Italian with that. I think there was just the odd inflection to suggest yeah. that. This person yeah. might Italian. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's that's what he does. Yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy Irons. Has, it's kind of like an slightly Italian inflected Jeremy Irons accent. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, because we, we all know what Jeremy Irons like. He has he has a very distinctive voice, and it's hard to sort of like. He, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a bit like if you got Sean Connery to come to come to this film and play in Italian, you're gonna get a Sean Connery voice. Yeah. So <laughs> it's so um. So yeah, all in all, I think it was I think it was quite good. I think it was solid. Um, I'll give it a three out of five. I don't think it's anything major to write home about. I know people are, people have you know I was complaining last week when I was reviewing King Richard about how a movie star does a halfway decent performance and doesn't fall over, and they go, "Oh my God, give them an Oscar!" It's Oscar, and, yeah, Oscar time, yeah. Yeah, people have been talking about that with Lady Gaga, and I'm like, mm, I don't know about that uh, because it's a good performance. Apparently, she went quite method with it, speaking in an Italian accent exclusively for like nine months to sort of like get to well, just to get the feel of it to get to get the feel of it and there's still bits there there's there's bits where i'm looking at it going okay that is getting very very a low a low right now that is <laughs> that is that is getting very i am yeah. going all over the top because i'm trying to show you i'm italian that yeah. kind of and you're like Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, I'm, and that and the only way i can think of is that okay 
this is a soap opera this is not supposed to be a it's a soap opera it's like a mexican telenovela where everything is bad everything is big everything is and it's yeah but yeah i i would i would recommend it but i I don't don't expect to blow your world up so so (laughs) that is three out of five stars for for the house of gucci Although I will tell you, I'll tell you a side effect. A side effect of um, watching House of Gucci is that it has sent me down a Lady Gaga rabbit hole and listening to some of her music. And I'm going, yeah, this woman did some good music. <laughs> <laughs> or or should, I, should I say does some good music? Uh, yeah. So from that, that is the Netflix side of, no, the cinema side of things gone. And now we go over to the Netflix side of things. And Sharon, you saw a film about the artist whose name I have already forgotten. Sarah Swift. And the name of the film is? The Color Room. The Color Room. So this seems to be a biopic-heavy week. Oh, maybe I should change my tap to a biopic yeah. one. It seems to be a biopic-heavy week. So tell us, tell us about The Color Room. Yeah, The Color Room is basically, um, for those of you who know the ceramicist, um, Clarence Clift, basically up until the 1930s, oh, and anyway, sorry, I'll go back a step before that. In Britain, the home of the ceramic industry, porcelain, homewares, has always been what's in a place called the Potteries, which is based around Stoke. Stoke, yep. And if you see any images of Stoke, they're all these huge stone chimneys. So yep. imagine like a nuclear power station where you get these great big funnels. Basically, they're those st- shapes, but they're built out of these brick kilns. So they produced the Britons and the world's porcelain and pottery um, on an industrial scale. It was part of the Industrial Revolution, this mass production of potteries. And so at the beginning of the 20th century, between this film is set between the wars. Yep. So, and the world is changing. There's been the Great War. And then the world has basically been plunged into a depression in the 20s. And then at the point in our film, it's the end of the 20s, beginning of the 30s, where the world is just coming out of that of that depression and people are and Clara Swift is like one of these moves and shakers she's a woman who's finally been able to sort of go into the workplace she's done her craft she's worked in all the different potteries around the place so she's moved up from basically there's the different sort of skill sets if you come in on a basic level basically you put transfers on plates where you you wet the plate, you stick the transfer on, you rub it in and then the next plate and then you go up to a painter where you actually hand paint porcelain and pottery and then you become a designer and um, you can then design your own tableware or your own high-end ceramics yeah and so she's worked her way around and she's working in this one particular factory but they're very known for a particular type of porcelain British porcelain which is like white with like rosebuds and sort of gilting around the edges and when you think of a dinner service that yes Yes. That's what they have been known for. But the whole industry has sort of basically been in a bit of a slump. They're not really making huge profits. Some of the potteries, the factories are closing down and they're just trying to find new ways of innovate to basically sell more products. And that's where Clarence Stiff comes in. She's just been inspired by the new wave of of art, like Art Nouveau, Art Deco. And, And she's just thinking, why can't we bring that sort of dynamic into pottery why is it sort of stuck in the 19th century we want something that's modern and vibrant and so she starts designing these like geometric shapes these geometric patterns these bold colors um a a much freer style where you can see the brush strokes in her glazes 
it just feels a bit more immediate. And so you see, it's a story of basically how her particular type of ceramics um, basically got into the mainstream. How they started off, you know, she produced a line of pottery for this one company and it was an absolute disaster and how <laughs> <laughs> no one could appreciate, no one could see it. All the people who ran the potteries, all the people who ran the trade fairs and ran the department stores, they were saying, no, 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 our customers want the white bone china with the gilt edging and the pretty rosebuds. They yeah. don't want bright yellows, bright blues, bright oranges in geometric shapes. Yeah. They want what they've always had. And then she basically devised a way of selling more or less directly to, to women. Because in the past, all the people who run the factories who run the department stores are all you know middle-aged men yeah, <laughs> yeah. Saying, you know, this is for the housewife this is for the people who live in the terraced houses who crave a bit of color they can't afford your high-end bone china so we need to make stuff that's affordable that's accessible and brings a pop of color into these lives for people who've just come out of a depression yeah and she found basically different ways of presenting her own art and it became the phenomena that if anyone knows anything about ceramics that Clara's Clift is known as today, it's, you know, it is, it was a phenomena and it sort of changed the world of ceramics, ceramics and pottery forever. So not the most enticing of subjects, I can't imagine, but if you like your art, your British history, your social history, your even there was films about pots, which I quite like. And then, <laughs> yeah, then it, it was actually quite enjoyable. So you look at her because life, you look at where she was born and the fact that, because she was sponsored by an older married man, how there was a suggestion that yeah. everything was not always professional between them. So it never actually confirms it, but it does suggest that there were rumours. Whenever there's a, a young woman sponsored by an older man, there's always yes, rumours yes, that, yeah. you know, she only got where she did or he only helped her because of he had a romantic yeah, interest or, in Yeah, it. or there was something else going on there. That yeah, he, so don't he, start he wasn't just interested that, in the pottery. Mm. Yeah. So they don't shy away from that, but they don't confirm it either. So it's basically saying, yeah, we we, we acknowledge that these rumours were in circulation and we're not going to confirm it, we're not going to deny it. Okay, now, you see, now, now that is a sub-genre of movie that doesn't get enough attention. Movies about pots. Yeah. <laughs> movies about pots. <laughs> The, the way you spoke about it you spoke about it it's like oh yeah it's like movies about pots like i quite like i was like you sound like if you might have like a top 10 of movies about yeah, pots. yeah yeah there's my art related or you could say it's like art related films and things <laughs> oh okay cool so i've just i've just been looking up and to see a couple of clarice cliff things and i, I see what you mean they are quite they're quite colorful they're quite colorful. They're unlike anything else aren't they they're not they don't sit comfortably in any other school of art yeah and and also the but the the thing about this is that um you're talking about this film not being the most riveting thing but obviously there is a push at the moment which is which is a really really good push to have more stories told about the place that you know um the place that uh underrepresented people have played in history so for instance uh, a woman in the 1920s making something that actually sort of like you know that 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 makes a big splash in the world that becomes like a business yeah, she ended in its own up right. adding something like six million pieces in her over her career she old sold about six million pieces of yeah and of, and this uh, was made by sky it was made by sky cinema it was released this year so it's a really really recent film and the fact that they that the, i just noticed who they got to star as clarice cliff yeah phoebe dinover phoebe dinover fresh off of bridgerton fresh, bridgerton. fresh, fresh <laughs> matthew of bridgerton. good who is sort of, you know, 
Um, the, I'm trying to think what was the discovery the discovery of witches he's in. The discovery of witches. He was in Watchmen. Downton. He, and... Yeah, he uh, he he just shows shows up in lots of stuff. He was in The Good Wife for for a while. So they they got themselves a David good. David Morrissey's in it as one of the Potters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, there's all these people popping in, and you go, Carrie Fox plays her mum. There's all sorts of actors. You're thinking, actually, this is a quality cast they've got here to play all these people. Now they've just thought it's run about time to tell her story. Yeah. It's run about time to tell. And, 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 uh, yeah, I am totally up for that. So, how many stars would you give The Color Room? So, I really enjoyed it. So, I want to give it. I think it deserves at least a three and possibly a, a, a strong three. I'm not sure if it's a four because, again, I don't, I certainly enjoyed it. Yep. Um, but I don't know if it's quite a four. So I'll give it a, a good solid three. All right, cool. Because, I mean, the, the, I, I love the subject matter. I love what it's focusing on. And as, but, but with all the will in the world, I look at it and I go, that does sound like a Sunday afternoon movie. Absolutely. It's one of the ones I've seen it once, but, I'm like, yep, seen that now. So films that, you, that I think really deserve like a four or five are ones that you think, you know what, I could sit and watch that again. And I feel like I've seen this. But I enjoyed it, but I've seen it now. So well, yeah. I, is, I, 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 oof, oof, I don't know about that because there are some films that I think are brilliant films that I will never watch again. Like, yeah, that's, that is true, I suppose, <laughs> like, yeah. Like 12 Years a Slave. I'm like, yes. brilliant film. Never watching that again. <laughs> no, I'm, I feel the same way. Yeah, it's a stunning, but... Yeah, I couldn't stick through that twice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like yeah, I, I'm I'm not I'm not doing that to myself. I, it, it's yeah. it's like I get it. Yeah, it needs it needs to be told, but not doing that to myself. I think also, oh, oh, Detroit maybe maybe I would not watch mm. Detroit again because that is a very good film. But my God, it's hard going. Um, right, cool. And now we go back to cinema, and because there's only two of us, we go back to Sharon. So yeah. tell us, tell us about this being dragged, kicking and screaming with your sense yeah. of duty into the cinema to see Kristen Stewart play. Is it Kristen or Kristen? I keep getting that Kristen. wrong. I always get I it wrong, but I think it's Kristen. Kristen Stewart. To see Kristen Stewart play Lady Diana Spencer. Yes, yes. This is a strange beast, this film, I have to say. <laughs> it starts off with describing itself as a fable based on a true tragedy. So you get the titles, and then this yep. comes up on your screen. A fable based on a true tragedy. So that just leaves you with wondering how much of it is true and how much of it is completely made up. Yeah. Because a fable would suggest that it's all imagined. Yeah. Um, but based on a true tragedy, it suggests that there's truth in it so it left me a little bit puzzled and I, I think the whole film left me in two minds but I'll basically summarize the film it's set over three days in Christmas in the last year of her marriage to Prince Charles yes and and the Christmas tradition is that the royal family gather en masse at Sandringham with the Queen as the royal family have been doing since Victoria's Day where uh, they gather there's certain traditions they do they have their they gather on Christmas Eve early, then they yep. sort of dress for dinner. They meet and they open their presents on Christmas Eve. There's this tradition in the royal household because they've always observed Christmas Day as a religious day of religious observance. So they don't do the whole um, Christmas festivities on Christmas Day. They save that for Christmas Eve. Yeah. And yeah. so all the main present giving is everything on the day before. And then there's like church on on the Christmas day and then Boxing Day is very much about the hunting and about shooting and 
So it's basically set down in law what you do. And so this film is set over those three days, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Yep. And I can't remember the exact year, but it is the last year of their marriage because I think the next year the Queen basically said, enough is enough. <laughs> this yeah. can't carry on. Yeah. And you see nearly all of the film is from the perspective of Princess Diana and there's lots of it where you don't actually see um, many other people. It's just about her. So it's entirely is from focused on Diana. Yes. And it starts off where she's evaded her security and she's evaded her, her, her driver and she's driving herself to Sandringham and she's got lost. And so she ends up um, having to stop at a petrol station and ask for directions. And then she spots on a hill an old scarecrow because her family home with her father and her, her siblings um, was nearby. And she sees a scarecrow on the hill that was dressed in her father's coat. And this is all like symbolic of her trying to reclaim her past. So she basically takes the coat off the scarecrow and it becomes like a symbolic thing throughout these three days. Yeah. And it basically it shows you how she just struggled with life at that point in her life. How she was bulimic, <clears throat> she was self-harming. Um, to some degree she was like delusional because in this film she... Has, she just has visions that <laughs> she sees yeah. Yeah. Um, ghosts and she just gets, yeah, she's she's a troubled person, but he doesn't shy away from her bulimia or her self-harming. And... Yeah, I, I know because um, obviously more stuff has come out as time has gone on and I watch The Crown. Um, I watch The Crown, I'm up to date with The Crown and they, and they, the, Essentially, the discourse about Princess Diana is that now when you look at her, she is a bit of a tragic character. Yeah. Yeah, and and that and it's a, a tragic character. Well, most of the things I've seen is a tragic character who needed help that she didn't get or wasn't allowed to get. So I can imagine that 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 there's something like this was leaning into the into that whole almost kind of like tragic heroine aspect of it. Yeah, that. I think they did. In some ways, I think I was because that was one of my concerns about this film. I was thinking, oh, I don't want another Princess Diana and the Wicked Royals. I mean, yeah. I or Saint Diana and the Wicked, wicked Royals. Cause yes. thought, we, haven't we heard that story? But in some ways, it did shy away from it because there were people like the um, the equerry who was in charge of running this the, ha- the, the house. Um, you know, did was say, you know, look, we we want we're trying to to support you so you know we know they have trouble eating so we'll prepare meals that you may feel more comfortable with and um, we've got dressers who will help you the staff that will help you um and but as much as they try to help her it's almost like she didn't see it that way she'd got this you read because i know again that her sons have talked about her paranoia mm. and there's elements of that in this film and how things they that people may have done their best of intentions but make her feel more paranoid so at one point they were saying you know, we've got people patrolling the grounds and one of our security could see that when you were dressing in your bedroom with your curtains open, they could actually see you. So had they been a photographer, they could have taken pictures of you getting yeah. trained. Yeah. yeah. And they said, so you know, we would recommend that if you're at the front of the house, you close the curtains when you get dressed and undressed. And so, but she said, I won't, I'm not going to do it. Or those for that effect. And so another dresser would come in and they actually sewed her curtains up so that... <laughs> They would, so it was offering her protection because they knew that she's been hounded by the press. But then you see her 
cutting the curtains open and throwing them wide. Yeah, because so, I guess that the, the two-way things is that, okay, we're, we're, but it sounds like control. It's like, we're trying to protect yeah. you. You're trying to control me. <laughs> yeah. And there's some scenes where, again, all the other characters are very much secondary. So there's interactions with this, the Queen and with Prince Charles, where yeah. in some ways they're like, you can see how they're almost like trying, and but she's interpreting it as like either controlling or as like babying. So like people are saying that, you know, if you can be on time for meals, then um, you won't feel like everyone's looking at you and judging you if you're late for every meal, when you keep everyone waiting, if you would try to be on time. So they'd give her like 10 minute warnings and like, 10 minutes to meal time. And she'd be like, oh, just leave me alone. And it's like, no, no, because when everyone is kept waiting for you, then when you walk in, everyone going, we've been waiting for Diana for 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you can see how they've tried to say that, yes, she was in this fragile state, but they tried to help her, but she'd got down so far down that road that, you know, even people who were well-meaning couldn't help her. Because one of the, the Ecri, and it's played by Timothy Spall, at one point saying, when the room falls quiet, he says that they laugh and they joke and they're comfortable with each other. And when you walk in the room, if they go quiet, it's because they're trying to be careful around you. They're trying to be more sensitive to you by letting you know that we care. We don't want to be out boisterous and we don't want to be insensitive by that we're all having an in-joke and having a great lot of time and that you feel excluded from it. So he's trying to help her, but it doesn't work. And I found out that, and I just found that to me, this, I didn't, I didn't quite get this film, to be honest with you. Mm. I think it partly is because I didn't get the whole Diana Colt thing. So to me, I'm old enough to remember her life. I'm old enough to remember her death. And I remember sort of thinking, that's just, you know, it's a sad event that she died when she was so young, having a young family. But, you know, I wasn't laying flowers out <laughs> in the street or, or yeah. you know, yeah. bewailing it. And I remember, you know, I'd gone out on the day she died and I had gone, you know, and my friends, we just carried on as normal. And it was only as that week progressed that things started getting a bit crazy. Yeah. So I, this film, I don't think was aimed at me, but I didn't quite get it. I could see... To me, I felt like the performances were slightly studied. Yes. The way that she would like tilt her head and she would like move her lips and go. And I just, to me, it felt slightly like an affectation rather than a natural mannerism. Mm -hmm. And again, like the way she used her eyes, I'm thinking, yes, it's their, their Diana, their Dianaisms that we are familiar with. But because they become such. Yeah. Um, these known mannerisms they just felt slightly affected they yeah. didn't feel like that you know the way she held her head the way she would look at the sort of her eyes and the way she would hold her head i thought to me it didn't feel well, natural. well it sounds like a film that quite frankly whether you love it or hate it it would it's going to rise and fall on the performance of Kristen stewart yeah and... there are moments yeah when she's you can she yes it's quite powerful and someone sort of going through an emotional turmoil and sort of a mental crisis you can understand yeah she's she shows that and there's the conflict between how you feel sympathy for someone but someone who is difficult so yeah <laughs> um i think people who haven't shied away in more recent years from saying actually as much as she was loved she was difficult <laughs> yeah as people with mental illness or people with different issues often are yeah, and what I, what left me thinking about it was I just put it in terms of my trying to understand the film and understand sort of you know Diana to some degree, someone who is unknowable because she's been dead a long time. Yeah, um, is that you know there's like the introverts and extroverts, 
and introverts, they get their energy from themselves. They retreat to a quiet place and they sort of recharge their batteries by being yeah. along their own. And extroverts get that energy from other people. Yes. And if you if the extrovert gets too much attention, no, sorry, if the introvert gets too much attention, yeah, it smothers them. And if the extrovert doesn't get enough attention, it starves them of oxygen. Yeah. And in many ways, this film sort of showed you that how Diana within the royal family was like an extrovert around introverts. So she yeah. was being starved of, bio of oxygen because she wasn't getting that energy that she needed. Whereas a lot of the royal families had just by nature were more introverts. So when they have a crisis, they retreat within themselves or they retreat into their safety zone, which is probably each other. Whereas she needed that extrovert. Yeah from other people's energy which she didn't get so that's the other thing i got from it was you know these were basically how, how in some ways introverts and extroverts unless you know how to feed the energy of the other yeah yeah can be absolutely toxic it can be um, yeah yeah and it was interesting so there's an it's a complicated film i think there's lots of symbolism in it about the clothes symbolic of other things the, yeah the it's i mean the, the director pablo lorraine is is he's known for not making he doesn't do straightforward films like yeah. he doesn't he doesn't do like first okay so this is a biopic and we obviously we had house of gucci which is also a biopic which is more of a straightforward biopic once i heard it was pablo lorraine i was like yeah, yeah this isn't going to be a straight line there's there's going to be some squiggles there's, yeah. there's going to be some squiggles before we get where we're going and there's a lot of parallels between Anne Boleyn. At one, she's given a book for Christmas about the life of Anne Boleyn. And so there's a lot of symbolism about her necklace. She's given this pearl necklace. And that sort of mirrors that Anne Boleyn was given a necklace. And then Jane Seymour, her successor, yeah. was given this identical necklace with the portrait of the king in it. Yeah. And there's a whole thing about how Prince Charles gave Diana a pearl necklace. And then she he also bought from the same jeweller an almost identical necklace that he Bob gave Camilla. to Camilla. Yeah. And whether that's true or not, but it's certainly heavily symbolic in the film. Yeah. Yeah, there's I, scenes where various scenes she like tears the necklace apart. She's even seen eating it at one point and then sort of throwing it up with her bulimia. Mm. Um, and that's like fantasy scenes. So you get fantasy intermixed with reality, intermixed with that, strange this is symbolism. Exactly, exactly what I was expecting from Pablo Lorraine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. so I was left a bit baffled by it all. Yeah, because he also he also did a film called Jackie, which is about um, Jacqueline Kennedy, yes. Jackie Kennedy, in the aftermath of JFK's assassination, and it and that's also I mean same thing based about this woman. It's kind of like private goes into it based about a very very strong performance. The film rises and falls on the performance, and it's, it's it's a similar thing. So I was okay. So, but how many stars would you give this? How many stars would you give Spencer? Yeah, because it left me a bit baffled, and I can't say I enjoyed it, but I didn't hate it either. I would give it a three because a, I think it's competently made. And if you like, I don't normally I, don't, I normally quite like things with symbolism, but because I probably didn't fully understand all of it, and I was coming from a place of you know not being part of that Diana cult, so to me it was. Um, yeah, just a little bit baffling and left me a little bit cold. So, yeah, I would give it a three. Uh, I, I take it that you, you uh, from what you said, you were, uh, if you excuse the term, you're not a Diana worshiper. Yes. Yeah, because I know that there were, I know there was definitely. I remember when when she died. I remember I was in Nigeria at the time, and even there, because you get a lot of stuff through um, through the Western media and through the Western news, mm -hmm. and there there were, there seemed to be this real agenda of 
She's the people's princess. Everybody loves her. And she died because of those evil people. <laughs> and, and that's what you... Uh, and um, it, uh, is, it sounds like um, probably the reason you didn't want to watch this is that you were questioning that. And you thought this was going yeah. to be I another piece of Diana that. worship. And I didn't even see all of the funeral. I only saw part of it because that day I, I went out for a walk. So when the, <laughs> the funeral was on, I know every shop was closed. It was empty and there was no one around. And I only saw, I only got as far partway through the funeral service. And I thought I turned it off because I just, I got to start as Earl Spencer's speech basically. And I was just so offended by what he said. <laughs> so I turned the thing off and I've never actually seen the rest of it. So I didn't actually... <laughs> I'm probably one of the few people in Great Britain who didn't actually watch all of Princess Diana's funeral because I was like, that's a really cool thing to say at someone's funeral. Goodbye. And I didn't actually watch the rest of the funeral. So, um, oh, yeah, I'm probably be... coming from a place of maybe not the... <laughs> Well, no, 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 but that's good. I mean, if, if coming from a place where you you are predisposed to not like the film and to still think, you know what, it wasn't that bad. I think that's yeah, a win. it has merit. I think, I think it's one of the. I think it to me, it's it was like almost like a, a film that they probably would look at in film studies, yes. like his other work to to look at that symbolism, to look at the use of the dresses, the clothes, the image, the fact that she became all about the image, and it was like this wasn't has the real self she was inhabiting a character and she became yeah. character of diana and then the real diana was hiding somewhere inside so i see there's lots of symbolism the, that you could really unpick if you wanted the, if you ever if you ever get to watch the crown i mean that's a good that's one of the things that the crown does and essentially does that but pretty much with every member of the royal family saying yeah at some point it's essentially put it this way but after watching the crown you'd be hard pressed to envy any member of the royal family <laughs> <laughs> because you're like, oh my god, their lives suck. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, all right, cool. So now we go back to a final film, a final film. And I've decided, um, I've looked through the whole things I've been watching recently. I haven't seen that many. I still seen biopics. I've seen, as I said, documentaries, which are kind of biopics because they're about yeah. real people. They're real people. But I'm going to stick with my original thing. I'm going to break the biopic thing, and I'm going to decide. Yeah. I'm going to talk about Cam. So Cam is a story about a Cam girl. Now, um, Sharon, you this... that? are you spelling that just C A M? C A M, yes. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. a cam girl is. All right, cool. Okay, Sharon, this might um, this might offend your sensibilities, but <laughs> but a cam girl is essentially somebody who goes onto uh, an online site and has a web camera, a bit like what we're doing right now. But they do things on site. Some people, when they go on there, it's of a sexual nature. For some people, it's like they'll sit there and they'll just eat. And people come, people tune into them, watch their channels, and people become fans of them. And this is how they make their money. So the people can actually give like tokens. They can give like you know tips. They can give all that sort of stuff. Say, oh yeah, yeah, no, I really, really like this. And essentially. If I was to break it down, they go onto a camera to become a fantasy for somebody. And all these people come on there and imagine that they could possibly even have a relationship with this person. And because of all this stuff that the person is doing, they pay money. So, so people will pay money and say, do this, do that. Um, okay. Yeah, it's like, it's like um, uh, I'll give it's you... Spaghetti all... really messily. Exactly. That, <laughs> that, uh, for an example, it can go for more example. than that. It can go less than that, but it, uh, for example. And yeah. And and uh, you know people can pay two hundred dollars and then they can go off the camp and have a special one to one discussion with the person. 
with the person and it, it kicks off with this girl and she is she is a cam girl you can see she's doing but she's she sees it as a business and she sees she there's uh there's a leaderboard and she's like i want to get to number one on the leaderboard i am uh currently 65 and you can see that everything she's doing she's looking at where she is on the leaderboard and she's trying to plan all these shows and do all these things so that she gets higher and higher and higher of the leader. The more outrageous, the better in some ways then. In some ways. And and it goes into how she tries to figure this out. And when she, and where she's actually asking, okay, where is the boundary? What, where, where's the line? What do, what will, what am I prepared to cross to actually get this? So in a way, it's almost kind of like a film about the business of it and about her, the effort she puts into, into this thing because she wants to be and it's a bit, uh, a little bit like a sports drama where you see somebody who's i want to be number one in the world and then they go training and they see all the things and you see what they try and do to get to that point and you see what it costs them in different areas of the life the main thing of the film comes because she's doing this she's going up there she gets into the top 50 and she's like yes i'm in the top 50 and then one day she tries to sign into her account on this on this um service that she uses and says you're locked out so she says um reset my password and they go no you're, you're actually live at the moment so we can reset your password and she's like what so she goes onto the onto the onto the website and she finds that there's somebody who looks exactly like her that is doing shows on her channel but it isn't her okay. and yeah this person is doing some things that she possibly wouldn't do but the person is going higher up the level and she's like what the who is this person so it becomes this whole thing where she's trying to figure out who this person is is it like a horror is it something supernatural that's going on is it the company that have said that she's done a good job and i've 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 commandeered the whole thing um is it one of the people and then you, you now start having some of the people from online actually track her down in real life and want to meet up with her and the some of them are a little bit are they actually dangerous are they not are they just harmless you don't really know and it and what i like about it is because the going from the beginning th- this is something that to me just sounds it sounds like it could be exploitative it could be exploitation central it's like we're going to do about we're going to do a film about a woman who goes into a camera and does some stuff that is sexually suggestive for people to pay her and i'm like and i'm like what? but one of the things that it actually does is that it takes it and it says is the approach that she takes to it as this is a business i'm going to break this down and i'm going to work really 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 hard because this is how i pay for everything i've moved into a house this is how i pay for the house this and it's about someone who has come in here and someone is trying to take my business from me and that is the way it actually that is the that is the approach that the film takes to the whole thing so all in all i thought it was i thought it was actually really well done i thought that the fact that the way it approached the cam girl was not and the world of cam girls was not exploitative i didn't think it was it, it was it's a film that happens it's a film that manages to not be exploitative about something that is inherently exploitative, mm. if you get what I mean. And it, just, and it just, and I thought that that was really, really, I thought it was really impressive. As the film goes on, when it gets to the point where you find out, okay, so what exactly is going on? Why is there somebody who looks exactly like her that is using her account? What that, So it goes in there and it becomes almost like a sort of, uh, like a detective thriller trying to figure out what is going on here, who's taking over my account and all that. The explanation as to what is actually going on is, I found it wanting. I was kind of like, well, that was a, why present something and then almost kind of ignore the thing you're presenting? And how how is that a resolution? <laughs> and, 
and it's and it, it sort of ends in the the way it, it, the way it ends is kind of like one of these sort of endings that kind of goes well i guess that's just the way the world is uh but uh but it's um yeah so i thought it was really really good i think it's 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 positives uh it's about managing to, to be not exploitative about to present this world and present why people would do this and present about how it is just like you know any sort of other capitalist dream however mm-hmm. because and it was going up towards being a four because i i like films where you go in thinking one thing and then you might almost leave the cinema going actually you know i didn't think about it that way but maybe yeah <laughs> and it was going that way to begin with but um but the further the film went on the the more I just kind of it it just it, it started diluting so it 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 dips down to a 3 for me it did run through a 3 for me but i think the the beginning of it the premise the way it presents the performance by madeline brewer i thought were all i thought were all brilliant i, I thought i thought were all brilliant but it comes down to a 3 for me Ooh, I just realized we've just reviewed four films that have a woman as the lead character. Oh well, I hadn't made the connection either. I just thought about it because I just I just realized I, I seem to I seem to have heard myself saying a really really good performance from insert woman's name here. <laughs> so and I, and I was like, wait a second, am I? D- oh yeah, yeah, that's four films with a woman as a main character, which I guess we're going to call that progress. Yeah, it's a bit of a twitch around from in the past, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna call that progress. Oh well, and well, on that is just to say. So, Sharon, who do you think has won this week? I think we have a bit of a dead heat at the moment. <laughs> we do have a dead heat. We do have a dead heat. We've had a we've had a we've had an acceptable week. <laughs> we've had a, cinema and Netflix and friends have 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 presented up something that is acceptable to us. So, um, well done, well done, cinema, well done. It's it's good. We'll see if we get anything that is exceptional coming up soon. Oh, yeah. oh, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe the only one I've got coming up is probably Resident Evil. <laughs> oh, 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 no. Because that's the only new release no. on the island, so I'm looking at. Uh, okay, it may not be high art. They made it... another Resident Evil film. What is wrong with Hollywood? The Raccoon City. I don't know. I can't even remember what the name of it is, but it's a Resident Evil it is yes yeah i I saw that i saw that battle for raccoon city i did i did see that that was in there and i i think i I don't even know that's what it's called but it's still it it is it is what it's called it is what it's called oh really yeah maybe that just oh there's boxing day boxing yes that's that is coming out yeah that's about um yeah this chap who's been living in america who has to go home and confront his past basically in london with his American girlfriend and then his ex-British girlfriend and all oh, hell breaks loose on Boxing Day, I gather. Yep. Am I seeing the trailer? There's also Encanto. Oh, but that's animated, so you wouldn't see that. That's oh, Don't worry, Sharon, I'll take that bullet. I'll go see Encanto. <laughs> I'll, I'll go see Encanto. Yeah, yeah, you might be stuck with Resident Evil. Yeah. You, you might be stuck with, with Resident Evil. you need him. Oh, and that was Sean Harris was in the Diana film, Spencer. Was yeah. he? Oh, Sean Harris. Yeah. Oh, okay. so Sean. He likes to men- he likes to see films with his namesake in. So yes, yes. I have the- to tell him. Maybe it'd be on the plane when he flies home to say that like, watch it because Sean Harris is in it. It's like yeah, Sean Harris and Spencer. Oh, in that case, yeah. Well, Sean, 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 Sean thinks that them Harrises have to stick together, so he will watch anything that has Sean Harris in it, <laughs> pretty much. But until next week, when Sharon shall go see what Resident Evil have, what stinking pile of possible surprise that you might get I'm with expecting the resident... maybe the odd gun and then maybe the odd zombie 
the the yeah. the odd zombie the odd in more way than in more ways than one yeah. until that until that time i went either i go see encanto or maybe finally see ghostbusters afterlife it's a goodbye from me it's a goodbye for me and wherever sean is in thailand it's a goodbye from him goodbye as from well him. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you next week yeah.